Welcome to the College Football Bros. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother whose Twitter handle is at RyanFNewman1. Uh, yeah, that would be me, Ryan Francis Newman. And by the other brother, whose Twitter handle is at 3Newman. That's right, Trey Newman. All right, we have a lot to get to this episode, uh, but first we're going to start with a couple of five-star reviews. So go ahead, Ryan. Okay, here we go. Okay, now. yeah. <laughs> You're not prepared. You're clearly <laughs> not prepared, Ryan. I am totally prepared. It's from over E. Hill. Uh, fantastic pod. You bros are the best. Fantastic listen every week and always so accommodating every Saturday when I give you hell on Twitter. Go Buffs. Oh, that's the guy. <laughs> that's, that's the guy. <laughs> that's he's, the guy. It turns out he's friendly. He's a yeah, friendly guy. Right. <laughs> no, thanks for the review and big win for the Buffs. Yeah, true. Yeah, our next one is from Timmy the S., Pretty, pretty, pretty good. I found these guys in April, and the podcast scratched my off-season college football itch just right. Michael is a bit long-winded, and Ryan (laughs) can get annoying at times, but Trey is the cat's pajamas. I just wish they didn't hate Notre Dame. What the... Well, which I agree with everything except for, I don't know, Notre Dame, we don't really hate on them. I really don't. I don't I, hate Notre Dame. I defended Brian Kelly in Notre Dame. No, we we might maybe we've picked against him, but we don't dislike them. But I think we need to address the the bigger thing here is just the shots he took at me and Ryan. Oh, yeah, wow. So Ryan, you actually you took a test. You tested out Timmy's claim. Yeah, I took a test online after that. I, I read that review. I was like, well, am I really that annoying? Yeah, I hope <laughs> not. I took a test, and apparently, I'm only thirty percent annoying, which is. Wow. Way below the average. So, joke's on you, guy. (laughs) That sounds like a legit test. It does. Uh, Ryan, when you actually, when you read this review for the first time, we were all at dinner, of course, as you remember. Uh, But what you might not know is I was secretly recording the conversation. Um, So, is it okay if I play that audio right now? I thought we agreed not to do that anymore, I know, but but can I do it, though? Can I play it? Fine. Better be entertaining. It's like he wants me to shut up and stop being so annoyed. Am I that annoyed? What? Yeah. Sometimes. Right. But not right now. Not all the time. So there you go. Sure, that sounded like me. Okay. No one laughed at that, but I, <laughs> I, I hope the listeners were laughing. Uh, anyway. So, as far as uh, his claim about me, that is, it's definitely true, definitely long-winded, um, but I wanted to, to find out why, and so I read an article in the Harvard Business Review, and I think I found the reason. So, they said, quote, one reason some people are long-winded is because they're trying to impress their conversational counterparts with how smart they are, often because they don't actually feel that way underneath. If this is the case for you, realize that continuing to talk will only cause the other people to be less impressed. Wow. And you want to keep going and reading more about that, Mike? I know I was this very (laughs) long winded answer here, but Timmy helped me make a breakthrough. So thank you, Timmy. Did he? Well, we'll see the rest of this podcast, how much I talk. (laughs) 
Week 13 recap. Let's talk some football. Ohio State beat Penn State 28 to 17. Ryan, what were your thoughts? And try not to be so annoying with them. Yeah, I will give it my best go here. Okay. Um, yeah, Ohio State, they were finally tested in their first game. Uh, you know, they, after two consecutive fumbles in the third quarter, Penn State was able to cut it 21 17. But Nittany Lions couldn't do anything after that. Maybe if they had Sean Clifford, uh, if he was able to finish the game, maybe he could have made the difference in that one. Well, um, James Franklin said that uh, he could have come back in if if he had wanted to put him in. But I think they were just rolling with with Levis because or Levis. I don't know how you pronounce it. L-E-V-I-S. That's yeah, yeah he was he was uh, doing pretty well. Other than that pick the, up until the pick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So exactly. That's kind of my point is I, I don't think it really would have gone any differently than it ended up going. Ohio State really dominated this game from the get go. The only reason why Penn State was in it was because of the three fumbles by Ohio State. Uh, two of them, they were felt like very, very costly. And but I, I got to say, though, even though this was Ohio State's worst game they had played all season, which I don't think anybody could even come close to arguing with that, they still beat a top 10 team by 11 points. So. I'm not worried at all about the Buckeyes. I still think they're the best team uh, in the country. Yeah, I agree with you. Because, I mean, statistically, they really did dominate. It's just that one flurry of turnovers. And when it really mattered most, Chase Young and that the Buckeye defense, they were just relentless. You know, it sacks, pressures. They didn't make anything easy for Penn State. And there was just – there was no chance in this game that Penn State's offense was going to have enough firepower uh, even with or without Clifford. Yeah, I agree. And to your point about Chase Young, nine tackles, three sacks, and two forced fumbles. So he uh, he he now has 16 and a half sacks on the year. That's an Ohio State record. The only unfortunate thing is that he's probably going to split votes with Justin Fields. So I think a very small chance, of course, of actually winning the Heisman, but he made his case to at least get to New York yet again after that crazy Wisconsin game a couple weeks ago. Yep. Um, okay. Moving on, Georgia hung on to beat Texas A&M 19-13. What'd you see here, Trey? Our listeners are probably going to get tired of us talking about the Georgia offense, but it's it's not just us. It's the whole media. I mean, it is, it's tough to watch. I mean, Fromm, he was below 50% again. CBS even had a perfect shot of Swift just livid with Fromm, and they were bickering at each other late in the game. It just wasn't a, a good look. You know, it's if only they had an offense built around a guy like Justin Fields. Ooh. Wow. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. But I mean, the, pro- the, 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 the thing about Georgia is they might end up wasting an incredible defense. I mean, their defense is just elite. Uh, they held A&M to minus one yards rushing. They stopped Mond and the Aggies on their last chance to win. So the defense is holding up its end of the bargain. The offense has got to find something before they, they play LSU. Yeah, I was, it's crazy. I was reading a Georgia blog and it seems like everyone in the comments is is unhappy, of course, just because of what you said, how the offense has looked. But it's also crazy because they're right now, if they keep winning, they're going to make the playoffs. So it's a pretty good situation to be in is is unhappy with a team that that might make the playoff. But but yeah, obviously, they, they rode the defense to the win. And even though um, A&M wasn't able to run the ball at all, like you said, Isaiah Spiller, 11 carries for seven yards. I was impressed with what Kellen Mond did, especially in that second half. It was pretty much all Kellen Mond passes. He was put in a tough spot against a really good defense. And I mean, he wasn't great, but he 
he played okay, all things considered. So yeah, Texas A&M is good, man. They're just not quite. I don't know. They they're the best seven and four team out there. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> Seems like we said that last year too, but yeah, it, it's kind of true. Uh, but hey, going back to Georgia, this that's kind of the focus here. Obviously, they you know the the first eight, eight games of the season, Jake Fromm never completed lower than fifty five percent of his passes. In the last three games, he's been under fifty percent in all of them. So that's a uh, a very concerning trend. It's going in the wrong direction, and it just kind of sh- goes to show you the struggles that they're having. And you got the SEC title game right around the corner. So, I mean, that's just very concerning if you're a, a, an UGA fan. Yeah, for sure. And uh, one thing before we stop talking about this game, I'm sure A&M fans listening are wanting us to bring up the refs because there were definitely some bad calls, some missed calls. So if those had gone the other way, maybe A&M would have won. Who knows? Yep. Okay, moving on to Arizona State as a 13.5-point underdog, beating Oregon 31-28. And obviously, this game was very important in terms of the playoff picture. We'll get to that in a few minutes, but just about the game. Um, the difference here was quarterback play. Oregon was was down 13-7 early in the fourth quarter, and Herbert threw a really bad pick. So Arizona State ended up getting a touchdown, made it 21-7. Next possession, same thing, another bad pick. And Arizona State got a field goal. So it was 24 to 7 midway through the fourth quarter. Kind of seemed like it was game over, but the next two drives, Oregon took three plays each, got two touchdowns. And so they were down three with four minutes left. Definitely starting to get scary. But Jaden Daniels, he was awesome in this game. He found Brandon Ayuk for an 81 yard touchdown pass. They kind of had to survive late again, but that was, that was felt like the clincher almost. Well, and that was, it was third and 16. Yes, exactly. I didn't mention that. So. That was quite a play. Fingertip catch by Ayuk. Yeah, and I, Jane Daniels has been remarkable for a true freshman this year with how well he's taking care of the ball, and now he's just starting to overall make make plays against really good defenses. So this was this was a huge step for for Herm Edwards in Arizona State, considering they have so much young talent, especially on their defense too. Uh, but as far as Oregon here, I mean, Marcus Arroyo, it's got to be brought up. Can the, the, the Oregon Duck fans were already a little bit concerned about him heading into this year they've been okay on offense it's not like they've been bad or they've been pretty solid but man this having seven points going into the mid mid midway through the fourth quarter is not a good look it's not speaks, no. doesn't speak well to marcus royal um but i gotta give credit to asu they they really stepped up in this game and herm edwards i will ever think we'll all admit that we were kind of we look wrong at, at this point i mean they're recruiting okay not not amazing, but they're recruiting okay. But they got young talent, and they should be pretty good here for the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah. And from the Oregon side, they just they do not like going to the desert late in the season. That's oh, just, yeah. all the Duck fans know that it's just been a theme for the last really like a decade. It's just whether it's Arizona or Arizona State. Yeah, good point. They they tend to lose as as big favorites. And and you, Michael, you touched on the the questionable throws by Herbert. I mean, Herb Street even brought it up. Before he threw the two picks, there was a ball that Herbstreit even looked like, dude, you can't throw it that late. And then sure enough, after that, he throws two more really bad balls, which mm-hmm. so that was really surprising. And the other thing that's concerning is Oregon, even though their offense hasn't been outstanding, like typical Oregon offense this whole year, they've been able to rely on their defense. But ASU put up over 500 yards yeah. of offense. So that was the other surprising thing. Yeah, against a somewhat conservative offense, ASU had been... Well, they'd been efficient. They hadn't really been explosive. So that that is true. That's concerning. 
Yeah, another guy I want to bring up, Frank Darby, made some big plays yeah, too. He, he had that crazy catch in the end zone. So, yeah, just a great performance from ASU. Uh, next game we have here, Oklahoma beat TCU 28-24. to Ryan, what what'd you see here? Well, I mean, on Oklahoma's first three possessions, they had long touchdown drives, and they were up 21 nothing, uh, and it looked like they were just going to blow TCU out and just wasn't even going to be a contest here. But, mm-hmm. you know... The Sooners, they only managed to score seven points in the final 43 minutes of the game. So they just went completely ice cold or the Horned Frogs completely stepped up, however you want to look at it. But I mean, yeah, they were very close in the fourth quarter. It was a close game. They were, well, I should say, OU was about to score. They were really, they were what, on the two yard line or so? I don't remember exactly where they were. Are you they, talking when they got the pick six, when TCU got the pick six. Yeah, I don't remember what yard line, yeah, but yeah, they were right what there. Yard line. But anyways, OU was about to score again. TCU got that 98-yard pick six uh, to make the score 28-24, and that was earlier in the fourth quarter, so at that point it was anybody's ball game. Um, and then you go to the next possession after Jalen Hurts' pick. He fumbled it and gave it back to TCU, so it was like, oh my gosh, TCU really had their chances here, and Jalen Hurts almost blew it for OU, which kind of means fumble. he... That fumble was crazy. The, the, it wasn't really a fumble. He just kind of just took it from him, you know? True. So Fair enough. But either way, any way you slice it, that this kind of game, pretty much, I'm, I'm going into Heisman talk here, that almost kind of eliminates Jalen Hurts from the Heisman, unless Joe Burrow really, really falters. That's the only way. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that Hurts, I mean, I guess he was still technically in it, but Burrow's going to win it as long as he doesn't, yeah, totally yeah, falter, like you say. Fair enough. But if he had, fa- if Joe Burrow needs to really now like completely falter. To- no, you're right. It yeah. got even worse. But I will say the pick six, which is obviously yeah the big mistake that got TCU back in this game. I'm not sure it was Jalen Hurts' fault. CD Lamb tripped on that Fair. route, so I think that's mostly what what caused the pick. And you know the fumble late that definitely was bad. That's on on Jalen Hurts. Right. But when you look at it, when you look at the usage rate that Jalen Hurts has, and I actually just watched a clip of Mike Gundy talking about how how this offense is just a one-man show is the exact words it's so he said. It's so reliant on him. It's true. I mean... Yeah. So the fact that he only has, I guess, only 10 turnovers on the season, like that's... You can live with that. That's really not bad, especially when you factor in, you know, whether you're looking at efficiency, explosiveness, whatever metric, it's one of the best offenses in the country. So... Yeah. I'm just going to defend Jalen a little bit there. Well, and the fact that the, well, I mean, I know he runs a lot, but especially like the last couple of games against Baylor and then TCU, I think he's rushed for over 50 attempts. Like that's just, yeah, for him to stay in the game at that point and stay healthy and just that's, I mean, he's like you kind of mentioned before, he's, he's a running back playing quarterback. I mean, they just, his stats at running are just incredible. Mm-hmm. This And it's really weird too. The Sooners, this is their fourth straight game in a, a tight contest they they're not used to that and luckily they're three and one they could easily have lost a, a couple more of those i mean tcu though they had no business in this game max duggan he was only seven to 21 for 65 yards like yeah true it's just so and they technically could have won now the one other thing i do want to bring up is and it's just a, a point about football in general both college and pro spotting of the football it oh. i don't know it just seems mm. like it's gotten worse like that last there's no way oklahoma got that last first down but replay no. couldn't overturn it i mean i'm not i'm not blaming refs but it just seems weird this year for some reason yeah it's weird when they you see the ref like holding the ball and he's kind of he doesn't know exactly where to put it and then he's just like oh i'm gonna put it right here it's like, 
uh, it's very inexact, inexact science. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, this uh, one last thing, this, this game was kind of like the Ohio State Penn State game, though, in that um, Oklahoma dominated, they just turned it over. Yeah, like, yeah, so yeah, true. All right. Uh, so now let's get to what these results all mean for the playoff picture. So who are the biggest winners and losers from this weekend, Trey? Well, I'm, I'm going to kind of look at two here. Uh, Alabama, what to me, was a winner. Uh, oh, yeah. Oregon oh, yeah. lost. Georgia didn't look great, even though they still kind of control their destiny. Oklahoma barely beat uh, an unranked team at home. So, you know, if they have a really good, solid win at Auburn and LSU beats Georgia, they have a very decent shot. Yeah. yeah so they, they were a winner in my book. No, yeah. Alabama was, I agree, clearly the the biggest winner. Um, and I think that the clearest loser, other than Oregon, obviously, is Utah. Yeah. Be- yep. Because I, it's going to be, it already was going to be a little bit difficult for them to leapfrog Alabama, obviously, assuming Alabama wins at Auburn, which is a, a big assumption that's far from a guarantee. But if Auburn, if Alabama wins at Auburn, that's a more impressive win now than Utah against on a neutral against a two loss Oregon, I think, or at least as impressive. They're similar games. Utah, so. Utah really wants, they need Ohio State and LSU to win so that those conferences don't get potentially multiple bids for obvious reasons. Yeah. Yes. Because I think Ohio State now, they've, by beating Penn State, they could, technically they could lose to Michigan and win the Big Ten Championship and I think they'd still be in, so. For sure. For yep, sure. I agree. And LSU is pretty much in as long as they don't lose both as well, so. Yeah, it's all coming down to, or it's looking like it's coming down to, um, although it's, you never know, but Utah, if if they went out, Oklahoma, if they went out, and then Alabama, if they beat, um, if they beat Auburn, I wouldn't what, what eliminate, about, what's that? What about Minnesota? If they beat Wisconsin and Ohio State, but, but that's a big, it's a lot. They're in, they're in if that happens, it's just, that is such an so unlikely i mean it could definitely happen but it's it's very unlikely so i'm yeah. kind of ignoring it but it's a fair point yeah, it's possible and no it's definitely possible I, I cannot but you you think they're automatically in though if they oof win um i think so they would have a better case than utah and well i don't think so what if georgia beats lsu do they get in over they don't get in over georgia obviously and they probably don't get in over lsu so then you got Clemson, but then Ohio. does, oh, but does then Minnesota gotta, get in over Ohio State? They beat them. Ooh, that's that, that's, <laughs> that's interesting. That'll be t- I feel like the committee would just almost have to put in Minnesota, but yet we'd all know Ohio State's way better than Minnesota. It's a lot of a lot of unlikely scenarios there. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, in- oh, that'd be interesting. I kind of hope that happens. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to the rapid recaps. All right, I'll get us going here. Uh, my first game is uh, was Michigan and Indiana. Uh, Indiana, they, they led the game early. They were up 14-7 uh, in the second quarter. But after that, Michigan outscored the Hoosiers 32 to nothing, And they ended up winning 39-14. Shea Patterson had a big game. Probably the biggest game maybe in, maybe in uh, the, his maize and blue career. 366 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, so the Wolverines, they've won four in a row now, all in dominating fashion. So uh, we could have a game on our hands this weekend here. The Buckeyes, why not? It's an ever. Uh, <laughs> sure. Sure. Next game. Uh Texas at Baylor. Uh the Bears dominated to nobody's surprise. Uh they dominated twenty four to ten. But yes, thank you. I was waiting on that one, Mike. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh 
Texas' only touchdown came in the fourth quarter with just one second left in the game. So this one really wasn't close at all. Uh, obviously, with the, with the win, the Baylor Bears punched their ticket to the Big 12 title game. Well, they'll get a rematch with the, with the Sooners, which I'm pretty pumped about. So good for Baylor. All right, next game, we got uh, another Big 12 matchup here of uh, Oklahoma State, West Virginia. The Cowboys, they escaped Morgantown with a 20-13 to victory. Both QBs played well, Jarrett Dagey and Drew Brown, who both didn't start the year as their quarterbacks, but looking good now. Uh, the, the, the real difference in this game, the Mountaineers could not run the ball, which is a little surprising against the Cowboys, but flip to the other side, Chuba Hubbard. Didn't have the biggest game in the world, but he still went over for 100 yards. Uh, Oklahoma State's now 8-3, and three, and they got Bedlam in Stillwater. So it's a pretty darn good year here from Gundy. Yeah, it doesn't uh, feel like 8-3, and three, but they've I know, right? strung together it's, some it's wins here. It's a good here. year, man. Yeah. So he just does what he does there. Uh, then I got uh, Tennessee and Missouri, the Volunteers. They got a close 24-20 uh, to 20 win and have now clinched to bowl eligibility already. And they, they get Vanderbilt in Knoxville next week, so they could... Very, very easily finished seven and five. And when you consider they started 0 and 2 with losses to Georgia State and BYU, nobody in their right mind could have seen them finishing seven and five, except for maybe Trey. Uh, but I think me? even Trey had his doubts. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, exactly. I wrote them off. I wrote no, them you off. said nobody in their right mind, Ryan. True. So. Trey's not in his right mind. <laughs> That's He's lost true. it at this point. Uh, but I mean, Jeremy Pruitt, great finish to the year, who now he's in zero danger of losing his job. Oh, and- I'm sorry. Breaking news here. I'm getting a call from the University of Southern California uh, trying to get me to donate money. So, Oh, wow. If it goes directly to Clay Helton's buyout, I'll consider it. I'll consider it. Anyway, <laughs> sorry to interrupt there, yeah, but okay. I thought he might have heard the phone ring. So, uh, Trey, do you get those uh, calls from your alma mater? I do. Yeah, Yeah, we all do. Uh, all right, and then finally, uh, I got the two leaders here in the Big Ten West, their games. They both took care of business. Minnesota beat Northwestern 38-22, uh, and then the Badgers, they beat Purdue 45-24. That one was a little interesting in the first half, but the Badgers pulled away. And so this sets up just the uh, essentially a Big Ten West championship with uh, Wisconsin at Minnesota coming up. All right, uh, my first game here, USC, my alma mater, who I just ignored their phone call as always. They beat UCLA. 52 to 35 and uh so ucla now four and seven another bad year for for chip kelly as for usc they finished the regular season eight and four seven and two in the pac-12 and the story in this one keaton slovis 515 passing yards wow four touchdowns no picks is it enough to save clay clay helton's job i don't Um, know i don't think so there's there's no way oh you think no way i'm hoping you're right i didn't think that last year though I, i just think like their their offense is so fun to watch, and it would be fun maybe to watch another year with Graham Harrell and them develop more. But God, they don't have a defense right now. Yeah, it's it's not great. Um, but I didn't answer that call to donate towards Helton's buyout, so who knows what's going to happen now? Fair they enough. Might be a couple bucks short, and you're a big money donor. So if you don't do it, oh for sure, big yeah. time, big time. All this Patreon money we're swimming in, guys. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, so Washington lost twenty to fourteen at Colorado. Good win for Mel Tucker, but it's crazy to see a Chris Peterson coach team at six and five. Like, I just never thought that that would happen at Washington. I know there's been close losses. I know they lost Other a lot. Other than his first couple of years. Well, okay. Well, now you make me look like a real dummy. <laughs> but mean, you know what I mean. Once he got it rolling. Once he got it rolling. But, you know, the, the defense lost a lot from last year. The offense should be better than it is, though, for sure. So we'll see. Jacob if, Eason, man. 
Yeah, I'm not sure if he's the only problem there. I, I don't know. I don't know if they'll shake up the offensive coaching staff there, but we will see. Uh, Notre Dame blew out Boston College 40-7. to If they win at Stanford next week, they're going to be 10 and 2. So, another another good season for Chip or for New Year 6, man. Brian Kelly. Uh yeah, yeah. Finally, the Mountain West. Boise State dominated Utah State 56-21, so they clinch a berth in the Pac-12 or <laughs> Pac-12 Mountain West Championship, and they even brought back the Statue of Liberty in this game for a touchdown yeah. run. So, that was pretty cool. That was a surprising result there though. I guess so, yeah. Utah State... I mean, I didn't expect them to blow them out. I thought Utah State was going to compete there. No, I knew. I think I predicted 56-21 as the final. Oh, wow. Good for you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then in the de facto West Division Championship of the Mountain West, Hawaii beat San Diego State 14-11. The Aztecs missed a game-tying 48-yard field goal. So for the first time since joining the conference, Hawaii is going to the championship. Nick Rolovich. He's doing a great job, yeah. You missing something, Mike? You want to... Say something else about uh, Hawaii and, uh, you know, preseason predictions. Oh, <laughs> Ryan and I predicted Hawaii to win the West Division. Hey, all right. Good, Good job us. by us. The Rainbow Warriors. Well done. All right. My first one is Pitt at Virginia Tech. The Hokies dominated Pitt 28-0. They backed up my, my lock of the week. Bud Foster, his final season is ending great. His defense held Pitt to 177 yards and only eight first downs. Hendon Hooker, he's really changed this team. He was 10 of 13, had two touchdowns. There's really, at this point, no rational way to explain how the Hokies lost by 35 at home to Duke. It's an incredible yeah. turnaround. Yeah, it is it is crazy. Like I'm still not totally sure if I believe it, but they keep shutting teams out. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuentes redeemed himself over the course of the year. All right, next we got SMU at Navy. This was a fun one. I watched most of the second half. Navy won 35 to 28. SMU was up 21 to 10 at halftime and was really frustrating the Navy offense. But in the fourth, um, it got got really exciting. Shane Bichelle threw a 61-yard touchdown to tie it at 28. But then Navy's offense wore down SMU and Malcolm Perry ended up winning the game with a 70-yard touchdown run. Uh, Navy really dominated statistically and now they still have a shot at winning the West in the in their conference, the AAC. Next, we got Cal at Stanford, the big game. Cal won for the first time since 2009. They won 24-20. They scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. Cal is just clearly a better team with Chase Garbers at the helm, and it's kind of too bad he was injured for half the year. They might have strung a couple more wins out. Yep. They could have maybe won the North. Okay, I'm just far-fetched here, but maybe. <laughs> well, in that in that Oregon game, is that where was Garbers in there for part of it or all? I can't of it? remember when he All right, I'm going to look it up, but either way, go on, Trey. But uh but yeah, with with him at the helm, he had 285 passing yards and he led Cal with 72 rushing yards also, including the the game-winning touchdown run with a minute left. So Stanford, they fought a 4 and 7 and they let a poor Cal offense rack up over 400 yards of them at home. So that was uh, that was Devon Monster the whole game there. So yeah, exactly. There you go, Ryan. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next, this was a, a surprise. Miami at FIU. Uh, Butch Davis and FIU. They became bowl eligible. They upset Miami 30 to 24. They were a 20 point underdog, but it really wasn't fluky. Jaron Williams threw three picks. 
and Miami was actually down 23-3 to before they tried to make a comeback. And Manny Diaz, after the game, he called it a dark night for the program. And it just kind of, when you thought the Canes were rounding into shape, they, they lose here. And what's, what's crazy, I saw a tweet from the Bear that Miami is now the only team in the past 40 years to lose three times as a 14-point favorite or more. Wow. They lost to they were they were favored by that over Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, and now FIU. Yeah, not not a good start for for Manny Diaz. No. And I'm then, gonna give him I'm gonna say he's a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> gobble gobble. Happy Thanksgiving. Finally, speaking of turkeys, Mike Leach. Now Oregon State at Washington State might have been the craziest game that no one saw since it was on the Pac twelve network. But Washington State won 54-53. They get bowl eligible. Anthony Gordon was 50 of 70 for 606 yards and six touchdowns. But Jake Luton on the other side, he had 408 and five scores, so not too bad. But Wazoo was really fortunate to win this. They had five turnovers. They were down 11 with four minutes to go. And of all things, they ended up winning it by running it with Max Borgie for a two-yard run with two seconds left. So that was a kind of a crushing loss for Oregon State. They would have been oh, bowl just eligible. Just a heartbreaker. Yeah, heartbreaker. Oh, but, you know, still a great year nonetheless. All right. Uh, I just want to bring up a couple things quickly here. Charlotte beating Marshall 24-13, to 13, so they are bowl eligible for the first time since joining FBS. Will Healy, their first-year coach, maybe a, a rising star in uh, college football. And then the craziest game of the weekend, the game, Harvard at Yale. There was, of course, a climate change awareness protest at halftime. There was a big delay. And then at the end of the game, Yale needed a touchdown, an onside kick, and then a touchdown to send it to overtime. And it did go to overtime, and it was starting to get dark because the game was delayed. And they don't have lights in the stadium. So they were, it was, it was kind of dark the last play of the game, but Yale ended up winning 50 to 43 in double overtime. So they, share the Ivy League title with Dartmouth. Interesting. Maybe Interesting. a round, round of applause or something, please. Yay! Okay, thank you. Uh, let's get to our segment here. And we got a couple segments here. First is just some news. Greg Schiano, no longer a candidate at Rutgers. What are your thoughts on this news? And which of the candidates that Bruce Feldman listed on Twitter do you like the most? So here's who he, he tweeted out. Anthony Campanelli, linebackers coach at Michigan and former Rutgers player, Jeff Halfley, co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State, Butch Jones, Brett Bielema, and Joe Moorhead. So what do you think, Trey? Campanelli has just got the best name for It's a good Rutgers name. I mean, he's he's uh, the little brother of the current interim head coach. So there you go. Keep it in the family. I don't know. The the previous head coaches, Bielema, Moorhead, and and Butch Jones, they just they're not really doing it for me. I mean, they'd be outstanding hires for them but i'm i'm going with jeff halfley uh, he's the co-coordinator for ohio state they have obviously an insane defense he knows the football in the northeast he played at siena spent time with pitt and rutgers and when he was at rutgers um, the, their defense actually had a top 10 pass defense so he he kind of knows the the geography well trey did a little homework here uh, <laughs> i did i did <laughs> Um. Yeah, you remember his time at Siena? Those were some good years. <laughs> yeah, of course. Who who doesn't? It's <laughs> um, my favorite crayon. Well, their last Ohio State hire didn't go that well uh, with Chris Ash. So very true. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say they lean away from him. 
I this may be a not at the popular choice, but I'm going to go Brett Bielema. I think he would be a good hire for them. Hmm. He didn't have a lot of success at Arkansas, but I also wouldn't say he failed miserably at Arkansas, considering what's gone on lately. I guess. Okay, well, just hear me out. Okay. It's not exactly the easiest place to win in the West of the SEC, but I think he at least gives Rutgers maybe more of an identity. You, you don't need to recruit stud athletes to run a spread type system. You just, you need to have development, uh, need a good strength and conditioning program, develop those big offensive linemen that Bielema, of course, wants, focus on the running game, shorten the shorten the game up, give yourself a chance type thing. So that's my reasoning for, uh, for Brett Bielema there. Okay. I mean, I mean, all these names for the most part are kind of underwhelming before we even get to the guy I like. I need to be long winded here, guys. So as far as this not working out with Shiano addressing that kind of crazy, I think it's it's bad. I mean, there definitely seems to be a lot of debate as to whether he was asking for too much control or too many years on the contract or too much private jet time. You know, he had a lot of demands. So I'm not sure who we should blame here. But if I were taking this job, I'd be concerned as to whether Rutgers is really willing to invest what it's going to take to make them competitive, especially because after this Shiano debacle, a lot of the boosters are very unhappy. At least that's the reports. And some of them have said privately that they won't be giving any more money to the program. So it's just kind of a bad situation. Uh, As far as these candidates, I'll just go Joe Moorhead because of course. Well, of course, but (laughs) I mean, I'll just go Joe Moorhead. Well, he had great credentials a couple years ago. I know these first two years at Mississippi State haven't gone well, but maybe it just wasn't the right fit in the Southeast. I don't know. Yeah, his Fordham, his Fordham record will kind of translate better at Rutgers. Just, just bring back the Fordham, you know, formula. Yeah, because that's more important than Mississippi State, for sure. It is, because it's closer geographically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, Tony Sanchez has been fired at UNLV. I liked the hire at the time. I did, yeah, too. Yeah, coming yeah. from Bishop Gorman, you thought it was a creative hire. He'd get some recruits in there, but... It just UNLV, man. That's a tough place to win, but it's a tough place. He just hasn't gotten over the hump. So yeah, that's what happens. Uh, but my next question for you guys it has to do with the nine power five teams playing to become bowl eligible this week. So the question is, who needs a win the most? Is it Boston College, North Carolina, TCU, Michigan State, Nebraska, Oregon State, Colorado, Mississippi State, or Missouri? Though, of course, their appeal is is still pending. Right. Uh, so what do you think, Ryan? Man, uh, you know, it seems to me like Nebraska is the best answer here. Okay. Uh, the main reason is because, you know, the the Huskers were supposed to gain a lot of momentum this year. This was supposed to be kind of a breakthrough year for Scott Frost. They were the favorites to win the, the Big Ten West, and that's not just in Lincoln, Nebraska. That was the media picking that. Um, so if they ended up 5-7 and seven and missing a bowl game, that would really hurt the growth for Scott Frost and in year two and you know it it seems like scott frost was supposed to be the savior none of the you know the other programs there obviously you know need some help and but you know you look at north carolina it's like well it's his first year mac brown's first year just kind of compare those types of schools and it just feels like it means more to nebraska at this point um yeah that's kind of my reasoning i have to say michigan state like if mark d'antonio if i don't think he could legitimately say he should keep his job if they lost to Maryland and they stayed at five wins. I mean, yeah, at home, at, at that would be true, especially true. you know with with the fact that he was so stubborn last year, not you know doing anything with the offensive staff, and then 
their defense. I know there's been some injuries, but they've kind of regressed as the the season's gone on. Like that would be a really tough look for for Sparty. No, Michigan State was my answer too. The fans are already unhappy with him. He says he's coming back. If that's true, man, he better win here because it would be a very bad situation otherwise. I'll throw another one out there since you got Michigan State and because I'm long-winded, Missouri. Yeah. They've they've lost 5 straight games and they're playing at Arkansas. So that's yeah, with Kelly Bryant, you would have thought they would have put up a... I mean, I liked them. I know, me too. I thought they were going to be really good this year. I know Kelly Bryant hasn't been totally healthy. They lost their leader on defense, Kale Garrett, earlier in the season. But still, it's been very underwhelming. So Barry Odom is not completely safe here. Yeah, you know? I mean, he's safe this year, but... Well, that's... Uh, you're countering what I just said there. So. I've, okay, maybe I am. I feel like you're wrong on that. I don't think there's any danger of him getting fired. Okay, well, that's that's why you're really annoying because you tell people they're wrong and then, <laughs> well you keep arguing with me so good point week 14 let's get to week 14 here it is rivalry week and because it is the week before conference championships we're going to go conference by conference here and we're going to tell you which games matter for each division race so trey why don't you start with the acc so we're going to look at the atlantic and the coastal here and in the atlantic clemson they've already clinched and this weekend, they play South Carolina, their their rival. They're favored 27, and this could be ugly. South Carolina, <laughs> they, they're not going to a bowl this year. Holinsky has played really bad lately. And Clemson, as we know, has just been on a rampage in the second half of the year. So normally I would kind of take the points, with, but Clemson's just killing fools. They won five straight against the spread. I'm going to ride with Clemson. Now, as far as the Coastal, it comes down to one game. Virginia Tech at Virginia. Ryan, you uh, you had some thoughts on this before the season. I sure or... do, Trey. Thanks for bringing that up. Appreciate <laughs> it. I mean, with this point spread, it really could come to fruition here. Virginia Tech, <laughs> their favorite it three on the road. To a T. Uh, yes, before the year, I did predict Virginia Tech would win on a last second field goal uh, against Virginia. Wow. I So I don't know who to pick here because it's, it's minus three, so... You can pick a push, I man. Can pick Just a go push. for it. I'm going to pick a push then. I got to right. go with the push. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I think these are two. And by the way, this game is on Friday. Um, True. Because I'm sure you come to the college football bros for your, your schedule notes. Um, these are two pretty weak eight and three teams. I'm going to go with Virginia Tech, though, for the same reason as I picked them last week. They're six and oh now and game started by Hendon Hooker. Defense got two straight shutouts. I just can't pick against them, especially with Virginia's defense not playing well at all down the stretch. They're missing a bunch of guys in the secondary. So I'll take Virginia Tech and I'm going to make them my lock. Nice. I I loved the Hokies last week. I made them my lock, but I'm I'm going to take the home team here. Wow. Uh, the, the, those shutouts that you mentioned, they were against Pitt and Georgia Tech. Pitt is obviously a little more impressive um, than, than Georgia Tech, but Bryce Perkins in Virginia, they have a little bit better offense than those and I, I'm going to go against the the recency bias of Virginia Tech, and I'll say Virginia, since they're at home and getting three, I'll take them. Man, I mean, this is the year. This is the year. It's been so long for them. They, I know. Oh, we'll see what happens. All right. Uh, we've got some other notable games in the ACC. We got Florida State. They're going on the road, playing their, their rival, the Gators. Gators are favored 17. It's a lot of points, but I'm going to take the Gators. They had an off week. If they win, they'll most likely clinch a New Year's Six game. They've just they've got a top ten defense. The Seminoles have really struggled this year against good defenses. And then the last game I want to touch on in the ACC is the Tar Heels, North Carolina. They're favored eight at 
NC State. They need this to to get to bowl eligibility. Uh, NC State, they've just they're on a downward spiral. Lost five in a row. Sam Howell's easily going to outshine Devin Leary, and I think Mac Brown is going to go bowling in year one. I would be very impressive there for Mac Brown. Future is bright there with Sam Howell. Uh, all right, I'm going to go over the uh, the Big Twelve here, and this one's pretty easy as far as uh, the championships concerned. We got OU versus Baylor already set in stone. You, if you listened to the podcast a few months ago, you would have already known that as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but we got Bedlam this week, so OU at Oklahoma State. Uh, Michael, what, what it's uh, OU's favorite thirteen here? What, mm-hmm. what are you thinking? Well, so obviously it's going to be Drew Brown getting the start for for Oklahoma State again with Spencer Sanders out for the year with that thumb surgery. I don't think it's a massive downgrade. He he played well, like you said, at West Virginia last week, but he's the backup for a reason. So I do think it is a little bit of a downgrade at least. And I just think Oklahoma is due to blow someone out. Two weeks ago, you've been outgame. feeling like that like for a while now. Uh, well, that's the thing with do. It just eventually it's gonna be. <laughs> it's, I'm gonna be right. Yeah. And no, but a couple weeks ago, I f- they outgained Baylor five twenty five to three oh seven. Yet of course it was a close game last week. Five eleven to two oh four was the yardage against TCU, which is crazy. Yet, yeah, that's pretty nuts. Close game, and that's of course because they've been turning it over three times in each of those those last two games. But that hadn't really been a problem for them all year. The first nine games of the season, they were one of the better teams in the country uh, per drive in terms of limiting turnovers. So I think they'll have some better luck this week, and I think they'll win easy. But they just never force turnovers. So No, that's a good point. They're like 128th yeah, in the country so in bad. What, forced they turnovers. Like 23 straight quarters without a turnover or something like that? At one point, they did, yeah. That's it's that's like, kind of turned around a little bit, but... yeah. Um, that's so some crazy. bad luck. That's got to be some bad luck. There. Sure, sure, sure. Nothing to I'm, do. I'm going to take Oklahoma State here. Uh, Oklahoma, they've lost four straight against the spread. And we, you know, as we've talked about, Hertz has had his moments of being somewhat shaky. I mean, he's still still great, but he hasn't been flawless. And So you're saying Hertz sucks. Right, exactly. That's what I pretty <laughs> okay. much said. Now, another thing to watch is Chuba Hubbard. They've used him... Uh, as receiver a lot more lately. He had a career-high seven catches last week, so that's kind of another wrinkle that Gundy is is kind of working in, so it might be interesting to see how they they use him against the Sooners. So I think the Pokes will keep it close enough to cover. Yeah, I agree with Troy here. I think Oklahoma State with Chuba Hubbard is going to, I think he'll have a big game on the ground. And I'm, I don't know, OU's just not instilling a lot of confidence in me the, the last few weeks. So. That's not true! Um, it is true. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm i'm taking the cowboys here you're welcome gundy so get your facts straight um all right let's move on from from bedlam here all right we got uh baylor at kansas uh, a, a meaningless game really within the big 12 and nationally uh baylor's favored 14 points right now but the main piece of news in this game is whether or not charlie brewer will be ready to go after he got knocked out of last week's game with a, a head injury no word on that yet if he's gonna gonna go or not um, but even if, if he doesn't play in this game, you still got to go with Baylor, you know, James Lynch in that defense, uh, they're able, they're going to be up to the task and you know, they got uh, a lot to play for in this game. Still, they still think they have a, a chance at the, the playoff. So they're going to be, they're going to be psyched. Well, yeah, that's the use you, you said at the beginning of this preview that you thought it was sort of a meaningless game, but fair, fair. Baylor's still got a chance at the playoff, fair right? Point. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an outside shot, but. I just saw this, by the way, that James Lynch, do you know his middle name? Husker. How did you knew that? 
Yeah, he should have been in Lincoln, Nebraska, but our stupid coaches in the past his never recruited him. Husker, his dad played there. Like, yeah, he wow. was a walk-on linebacker, I believe. Yep. Yeah, good old Mike Riley. <laughs> Love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, okay, let's move on to the Big Ten. And the East has obviously already been clinched by Ohio State, but they do have a big game at Michigan. They're a nine-point favorite. What do you think here, Trey? I, apparently, these two teams don't like each other. I, I've heard that's what I hear as well. Mutual respect. Mm. I'm I'm going to take the Buckeyes. Uh, Michigan. I feel like their only chance in this one is to muck the game up and force turnovers. Uh, and you know, people point to well, that's what Penn State did last week. I think a couple of those turnovers were kind of fluky, and I just don't see that uh, happening again. They were a little uncharacteristic and not to mention like Ryan, you even mentioned it, even with those, they still won by 11 points against a yeah. good Penn state team. Yep. So while I have been impressed with Michigan's kind of quote unquote rebirth in the last few weeks, they've been kind of picking on some inferior opponents. And I just think Ohio state, their, their number one defense is just going to smother Patterson and then wow, Michigan offense. Shots fired at Notre Dame here. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. No that wonder game, that guy meant, left that review. Okay, Whoa. so after the Notre Dame game, they played three <laughs> unranked teams. That Notre Dame game was a monsoon. Yeah. It was a monsoon. Hey. Wow. I, that was a good win. I'm not discounting that. <laughs> All right. Timmy Timmy was pissed for a second there. Timmy. <laughs> he was pissed. But yeah. no, I mean, Ohio State, they're relentless with players on at every level, both sides of the ball. They own Michigan. I'm going to make them my lock. Ooh. Ooh wow. Yeah. in the big game here. I do like Ohio State as well. I just think... I'm betting on their D-line going up against Michigan's offensive line because no offense has had success against Ohio State. They haven't given up 300 yards in a game all season, and I worry about That's Shea. That's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. And Shea Patterson is prone to fumbling. He's sixth in the country in fumbles, doesn't handle pressure well. That's an issue. So, yeah, yeah. I like giving the points with Ohio State. Yeah, I'm on board with you guys. Uh, there's no real need to further explanation here. I think Ohio State's just the far superior team, and... They're going to win by at least double digits in my eyes. They're not going to win by triple digits, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. At least double digits. <laughs> bold, bold call. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I wouldn't have thought about it that way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the West Division, though, we have, of course, some drama here. It all comes down to Wisconsin at Minnesota. Game day is going to be there. They didn't, they didn't <laughs> sorry, go for I'm the... still laughing at that last Oh, moment. you're still laughing? <laughs> Uh, okay, get it together, Ryan. I'm not going to cut that out. You're not? No. Couldn't couldn't keep it within there. <laughs> okay, well, can I start over then? Sure, go for it, Mike. Okay, Wisconsin, minus two and a half at Minnesota. Game day is going to be at this one. Um, they didn't come for Penn State a couple weeks ago, but made up for it here. Who do you like, Ryan? You know, Minnesota, at home, I don't see why they would be I don't see a whole lot of difference here between Minnesota and Wisconsin. A couple weeks ago, you look at, actually, I just look at the last two weeks, really, for the Badgers. They played at Nebraska. That was a pretty close game. Wisconsin, I they won by about 16, but I thought it was evenly played. They had a kick return touchdown, a couple of turnovers for Nebraska. I thought they were just kind of neck and neck in that game. And then you look last week, they played Purdue, who is very undermanned. That was still a game, second quarter, third quarter. Uh, Purdue had some success against the Badger defense, which I feel like has been a little lacking lately. So mm-hmm. give me Tanner Morgan. Give me those weapons on offense for, for Minnesota. Rashad Bateman, Tyler Johnson. I think they're going to have some success. And I, I don't think Wisconsin's offense is going to be able to run all over 
uh, that Minnesota defense will be obviously hyped up for this one. So I'm taking uh, the the the, the uh, Golden Gophers here. I agree with you, Ryan. I mean, the computer ratings generally like the Badgers in this matchup, but I'm just my own personal eye test. I'm just not in love with I've with what I've seen. And you touched on the Nebraska and Purdue games, but prior to that, they obviously lost to Illinois and Ohio State, but they also in between there. They eked out a two-point win at home against Iowa. And talking about the Nebraska game, they give up 500 yards of offense to the Huskers. Yep. So Minnesota, their their offense, Tanner Morgan, those receivers, um, they proved me wrong in the Penn State game a couple weeks ago. So I'm kind of I'm gonna row the boat at home for the Gophers. All right, this one's for Timmy. I'm taking Minnesota plus two and a half. Same reasons as you guys. Nice. Oh wow, not long winded. Wow. Nope. Very good. I was probably annoying on that last well, answer. Maybe. So. Maybe thirty percent annoying at yeah, least. At least double digits. <laughs> double digits. <laughs> double digits. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to focus on the Pac-12 now. The North, simple. Oregon, they've already clinched, but they still have to play Oregon State. The Civil War this week. Um, it's at Oregon. The Ducks are favored nineteen. We touched on it earlier. Oregon State. They need to win this to get to six wins and be bowl eligible. But like I said. You know, win or lose, Jonathan Smith and the Beavers, a pretty successful year getting to at least five wins. Last week hurt, though. Yeah, of course. Ouch. But this game in particular, I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. The Beavers, they have a really poor defense, 107th S&P+. But ASU put it, we saw what... SP+, sorry. Did I say S&P? You did. You did. You did put the ampersand in there. Yikes. But like Arizona State just did to Oregon, I think the Beavers should put up some some points of their own with Jake Luton. So I don't think the Beavers will win, but I'm going to take them plus the points. And then when you look at the South, it's kind of simple. Utah, they're in with a win. They have to beat Colorado. Otherwise, USC would win the South since they won the head-to-head. But Utah, they're a 28.5-point favorite. They're going to win. They've upped their game to another level since that USC loss. Um but I will say, I think this is a few too many points. So I'm going to take the points with Colorado. Not exactly confident just because Utah's just been destroying people. But, mm-hmm. you know, Colorado, a couple good wins in a row. Stanford, Washington. Uh, some other notable games here in the Pac-12. We've got Wazoo, the, the Apple Cup. Washington State at Washington. This is on Friday. Huskies are favored seven. We've touched on it. Huskies have been really disappointing this year. They're both, both these teams, six and five. Washington has generally owned the Cougs, uh, but I don't really like what I've seen from the Huskies. Their offense is sputtered. I think Anthony Gordon for Wazoo, he's going to be able to put up some good numbers. Huskies might win, but I'm going to take the Cougs with the points. We got Notre Dame at Stanford. Notre Dame is favored 16 and a half. Stanford, brutal year, four and seven. They've looked really bad on both sides of the ball. And the Irish, they're trying to get into a New Year's Six Bowl, and I think they're going to get the easy win on the farm. And then finally, Arizona, the Territorial Cup, Arizona at Arizona. Should be like the Cactus Bowl or something. Yeah, that's a good point. Arizona at Arizona State. Sun Devils are favored 13 and a half. This to me would be a perfect spot to take Arizona since ASU is on their high, uh, uh, you know, beaten Oregon. But God, Arizona has been dreadful. They have a terrible defense. I just don't see them slowing down, you know, Benjamin or Jane Daniels. So I'm going to take the Sun Devils. All right. I'm in agreement there. Uh, okay, let's move to the SEC here. And this one is also uh, set in stone. We got Georgia and LSU set for the title, so no need to go further there. Uh, but first game, we got Georgia. They're going up against their their rival, Georgia Tech. 
and uh, they're favored 28 and a half right now. I know Georgia Tech's not very good, but 28 and a half does seem like a lot when you consider it is a rivalry game and the fact that Georgia's offense is really struggling lately. So I'm going to lay the points uh, with the Yellow Jackets. No, you're going to take the points. I'm sorry. Excuse me. I correct my wording there. Thank you, Mike. I'm going to take the points with the Yellow Jackets, and I'm actually going to make them my uh, lock of the week. And then the the other big game here, we got uh, Texas A&M and LSU. LSU's favored 17. That is um, quite a lot of points here, but maybe uh, an interesting note here is the this is the third time Texas A&M will have played the number one team this season. First time ever. And it's still the regular season. Yeah, that is crazy. It's insane. <laughs> That's a tough slate. That is a, that is a, they've had a tough slate for sure. Here. Yep. Clemson, um, of course, Alabama, and now LSU. And it's not like they played some, they, what, they also have like Auburn and uh, it's not, they played, they didn't have, they played Georgia. Georgia. It's a tough game. Not fair. Um, anyways. All right. So this game, um, I think Texas A&M has enough to keep this one within the spread. Kellen Mond proved he's last week. He's he's a gamer. I like what he's doing so far this year. I've come around well around on on Kellen Mond by now. And that LSU defense, I mean, they're not super great. They're good. they're prone to giving up some points, as we know. So I'm going to take uh, A&M with the points here. Any other big games in the SEC, Ryan? Mm, I think that's it, Mike. I don't think there's I any other big games sworn. that are noteworthy to mention there here. There might have been one. Well, I mean, are you interested in the uh, Iron Bowl? Sure. Okay. Well, uh, Bama is favored three and a half right now. So, I mean, we could talk about it if you want, but go ahead, Mike. Your long-winded answer here. Oh, sure. No, thank you, Ryan. Uh, I'm going to take Alabama here, of course, at Auburn. I know Mac Jones is is not Tua, but... You got Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, Jerry Judy, hopefully Henry Ruggs back. I still think it's one of the best offenses in the country, even with Mac Jones at quarterback. And on the other side, Auburn's offense against every good defense they've played, they've been bad. So, I, you know, I know Alabama's had some injuries on their front seven. That's well publicized. But the defense has still been good. They're sixth in SP plus, sixth in Massey Peabody. I'm going to take the points. I'll lay the points. Oof, I did the wow. same thing as you, Ryan. Wow. <laughs> now, nah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go against, against you, Michael. I'm taking Auburn. I, I've been going to the well with them, but I'm, I'm bound to get them right here. Uh, Bama, they, Mac Jones just needs to kind of prove it to me on the road at Auburn, you know, against their top five defense. And you touched on it, Michael. They, the Auburn offense hasn't shown much. Bo Nix, not, not the greatest. But the one thing I do like is that they got Booby Whitlow back from injury. Uh, they hadn't had him recently. So that that should help, and they're at home. I'm going to take the Tigers. Yeah, I agree with Trey here. I mean, I I just kind of go to what I've seen so far from Mac Jones, and I mean, he played what against Arkansas a little bit there. He's then, played well, I'm man. Not, Come on, I'm not going to really count that game. But when you look at the Mississippi State game, what they score three points after Tua went out. Oh, they yeah. were in a shell. I'm still going to say not nearly as effective. Did you see him against and, Western Carolina, Ryan? Did you see that? <laughs> wow, good point. Fair point, Just Mike. Saying. Great numbers there. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take Auburn here. I know they don't play well against good defenses, but it's the Iron Bowl. It's going to be a close one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> that hard-hitting I don't analysis. Trust Mac Jones? Come on, it's Mac Jones, dude. Mac Jones. It's a tough, tough situation. Uh, okay, well, anyways, let's move on to the next one here. 
Uh, let's see. We got the Egg Bowl. We got Ole Miss uh, at Mississippi State. Mississippi State's uh, favored three. And of course, this one is always played on Thanksgiving. I'm going to take Ole Miss here. I don't trust Mississippi State at all. Joe Moorhead's already thinking about what he's going to do at Rutgers and <laughs> how he's going to try to convince Art Sitkowski to come back for another year. Come back, Art. Yeah, come back, Art. It'd be my starter. So yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna take the points gladly uh, with the Rebels there. Uh, the next one, we got Louisville. They're playing at Kentucky, another in-state rivalry. Uh, Kentucky's favorite three, and I'm just not buy in Kentucky right now. Lynn Bowden can't throw the ball, so that's kind of a bad situation for a football team. <laughs> and I Louisville, oh. Louisville's been playing well, man. They're seven and four. Malik Cunningham is electric with the ball. It's McHale now. Okay, Ryan. Oh, wow. Squeeze me. <laughs> um, no thanks. No thank you. I'm just gonna just gonna go with Cunningham. Okay. But Scott Satterfield has done an unreal job with them to get them where they're at at this point, five and three in the ACC, I believe. So give me uh, the three points with Louisville. And finally, I got uh, Vandy at Tennessee. Volunteers are favorite 22. Uh, and ah, man, it's I, this is a tough one to pick because Vanderbilt has done a great job against Tennessee as lately. But I'm going to take the Vols. Trey's team has been playing really, really well lately. Their only loss, I think, in the last five is against Alabama. So. Jarrett Garantano had a huge game last week. I think they'll keep the momentum going. And uh, yeah, give me the balls. Okay, let's get to the G5 conferences now. The AAC. The East has already been clinched by Cincinnati. So so they're in. Now the West, SMU was eliminated with, with their loss to Navy. So it's down to Memphis and Navy. And Memphis looks pretty good. They're tied with Navy at 6-1, and one, but they beat Navy. So they are in a win-and-you're-in situation. And let's get to, to their game first. So they're playing at home against Cincinnati. They're favored by 11 on Friday. What do you think, Trey? And Cincinnati, if they beat Memphis, they, they'll host. Oh, right. Sorry. Yes. Good point. No, but, but I was, this line really surprised me. Like I, I know Cincinnati has been playing kind of down to their competition lately, but they're still winning and playing good defense. Uh, They've put a bitter, bigger workload on Michael Warren the last couple of weeks, and I think they're going to do the same here because Memphis gives up a ton of yards on the ground. The Bearcats, they're, they are going to have their hands full against Brady White and Kenneth Gainwell, no doubt, but I think they can keep it within the 11. Yeah, and another another reason this game is, is big, not only for that home field for Cincinnati, but of course, both of these teams are still alive in that, uh, very much alive in that New Year's Six race. I think they both control their own destiny. If, if either one of them wins, out I sure you know Boise State of course would be the only team that would have a chance to be maybe ahead of Cincinnati but I I don't think so I'd bet against that so so yeah huge game and we know Memphis is going to put up points Cincinnati's defense hasn't been nearly as good as we thought it would be this year they've struggled to beat East Carolina USF Temple at home so I'm just I don't like the way Cincinnati's playing lately Desmond Ritter has seemed to regress this year I'm going Memphis yeah, I actually agree with you here, Michael. I, I kind of go back to the game uh, when where where game day was there in Memphis, and I really liked SMU. I thought that Xavier Jones for SMU was going to go off on that Memphis defense, but they really struggled. That Memphis really swallowed them. So I think Memphis can do similar type thing here to to Cincinnati, and they're not playing that great. So Memphis at home, I'm going to take them. Okay. What I mean, you don't agree with me? <laughs> I mean. I mean I will Shaking say, your head at me, Mike. 
Well, I just, I, I don't know if I was shaking my head, but... It was a close game. SMU did put up some points on... But they didn't run the ball. Okay, well, they didn't need to. <laughs> Desmond, Ritter can't, Desmond Ritter can't throw. All right, fine. That's Nearly sad. as well as your boy Shane Bechel. All right, oh, there's a good point. Give Shane Bechel a compliment. There you go. I'm in. Okay, so now if Memphis loses this game on Friday, then all Navy needs is just a win at Houston on Saturday to win the West, and they're an eight-and-a-half-point favorite, so... If they're able to get lucky with uh, a Memphis loss, they they likely win the yeah, division. I kind of hope that happens. You hope it happens? Yeah. Why? Go Navy. Okay. Yep. <laughs> who who doesn't like Navy? I nobody. Nobody likes Navy. Nobody doesn't like Navy. Exactly. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Trey. <laughs> okay. We got the Conference USA in the East. If Lane Kiffin's Florida Atlantic, if they win, they clinch. But if they lose, Marshall can actually beat FIU to win the East. So speaking of Lane's boys, they play Southern Miss, FAU's favor nine and a half. Southern Miss, they, they've beat up on the bottom half of the conference, but they've really struggled against the, the top teams in Conference USA. Chris Robinson, he's put up very efficient numbers this year. And I think Lane's Alice, they're going to stamp their ticket into the title game and, and cover. And then the West is a is a log jam there's three teams they're all tied at five and two and they've all beaten each other but unless southern miss upsets fau it's going to come down to louisiana tech and uab and when you look at solely at that head-to-head uab beat louisiana tech so it's it's looking like all uab is going to have to do is just beat north texas and they'll they'll represent but here here's the other uh scenarios here so you got UTSA is playing at Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech's favored 20 and a half. They really probably would have won the division had their quarterback, Jamar Smith, not got suspended a a couple games. And he's supposed to be back in this one. I think they're going to make a statement and take care of their business. But they need help. They need North Texas, who is favored by one over UAB. And North Texas, they've been disappointing this year. They're not going to go bowling. But... UAB, they have the 121st ranked S&P Plus offense. Sorry, SP Plus Uh-oh. offense. <laughs> yeah. And Tyler Johnston of UAB, he's not going to be able to match wits with Mason Fine. So I actually think North Texas is going to to win this one. Okay, so then that would likely mean La Tech. Likely would mean La Tech, assuming Southern Miss doesn't upset FAU. Okay, Ooh, a lot of scenarios lot of, there. Yes, there are. All right. Well, let's move on here to to the Mac. This is a little bit easier. You want Professor uh, Chaos to come talk about the uh, Conference USA? He he needed to. Yeah, a little late on that one, Professor Chaos. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, he just left. Dang. Uh, all right, we got the Mac here. In the East, Miami of Ohio, they've already clinched, so they're good to go. Uh, but when you're talking about the West, uh, you got a pretty simple scenario here. Western, It's between Western Michigan and Central Michigan. Western Michigan beat Central, so if and they have the same record right now. So if Western Michigan wins at Northern Illinois this week, they are your West champ. But if they lose and then Central Michigan beats Toledo at home, then Central Michigan will be your champ. So, okay, very simple scenario there. Now moving on to the game, Western Michigan's an eight-point favorite at Northern Illinois, so Western Michigan's looking pretty good right now. I think they'll win. Uh, I don't see them covering the spread, though. Their last two games have been decided by four points or less. Northern Illinois is still, I know they're not great, but they're still a a decent team, and they'll probably want to try and, you know, knock Western Michigan out of that title game. So I'm going to take Northern Illinois there. And that game's on Tuesday night, so people 
may already know the results of that if they're listening to this. Oh, fair point. Um, and then you got Toledo and Central Michigan. Uh, Central Michigan's favorite nine and a half seems like a lot of points to me. Although Toledo did just struggle at Buffalo last week. I don't know. I just don't feel like there's really a huge difference between any of the teams in the MAC. You know, save Akron, who's horrible. But other than that, it's like, man, it's a crapshoot. So I'm going to sure. take those nine and a half points with Toledo. Okay, moving on to the Mountain West. We kind of already talked about this. The Mountain Division, Boise State's clinched that. They've clinched home field. Uh, and they're going to be playing against Hawaii, who, of course, clinched the West after beating SDSU. Um, but Boise still has a, a big game at Colorado State on Friday. They, of course, need a win to stay alive in the the New Year's Six race. And I don't think it'll be easy. Patrick O'Brien is pretty solid quarterback for for Colorado State, but Boise's a 13-point favorite, so a likely win there. And that's all I have for the Mountain West. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Very easy. I'll, I'll make it even simpler. We got the Sun Belt here. The East, App State. The West, Louisiana. They've already, they've already clinched. It's going to be a great rematch. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Let's uh, close out the episode here with a Thanksgiving-themed questionable finish. That's the whole Thanksgiving aspect of it. Gobble, gobble. First question, which team should be most thankful for their season? I'm going to say it's Tennessee. Uh, They very easily could have packed it in and gave up on the season after their slow start. But now they're sitting at six and five, very likely seven and five, looking much better. So, yeah, the Vols should be grateful. Okay, I'm going to say Illinois because their opponents have been the most generous this season, helping them get to bowl eligibility. Illinois is number one in the nation in takeaways. They Uh. love Smith's good at that, man. You're in, you're out. Lovey's got a good turnover differential. I got to say, Ryan, your boys, Baylor. I mean, a few years ago, it looked like the program might not ever get back to what it was considering the scandal and what, and they were rock bottom in terms of their record. Baylor fans are really lucky to have a, a second chance here. All right, next question. Who is the biggest turkey of the year? Michael. No, no. Oh, oh. okay. I came down to a couple guys. I'm going to say... Kevin Sumlin in Arizona. I just like what the heck happened to Arizona's offense uh, in the last oh. two years with with guys like Khalil Tate, Taylor at running back. They're not going to go bowling this year. I mean, how did you? No one, the college football world, didn't hear Khalil Tate's name once this season. I was ex- expecting so much more. Yeah, except for that first game when when they had the stage all to themselves against Hawaii. That was an amazing yeah. game there. But yeah, uh, I'm going to say the biggest turkey is Mike Leach. And I brought this up a few episodes ago. And Trey, you kind of spoiled it early in the oh, episode. Yeah, you didn't wow. even know I was, was going to say this, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's trashed his players several times throughout the season. You can say he was motivating them, but I don't know. He just keeps doing it. This week after a win, I thought, hey, maybe he'll have some good things to say. But no, he called his team quote fairly tough with medium intelligence. That was <laughs> the best he could say. So take some personal responsibility, Mike Leach. You tell him, Mike. I'm telling him. Uh, for me, I'm going to have to go with, uh, it's kind of an obvious answer here, but I'm going to go with Chad Morris. He just really dropped the ball there at Arkansas. They were pathetic <laughs> this year, so hard to go against that one. Okay, next one is a controversial topic here. Give us your favorite and your most overrated Thanksgiving side dishes. Okay, so my, my favorite side dish, I'd have to go with scalped corn. Oh, second uh, that, I second that. Yeah, that's a delicious one. Uh, but my least favorite would have to be stuffing. I I just don't get it. 
I second that as well. It it's, can it's, be dry. It's not. Yeah. It's like I what? actually like it, but I I don't not if it's dry. It's overrated. It's overrated. Yeah. So my favorite, since you said scalp corn, I'll just say anything with sweet potatoes. I love sweet potatoes. And my least favorite, since you already said stuffing, ambrosia salad. I think maybe also known as Jello salad. That's just it's got the whipped cream and the fruit in there. It's just not good. Yeah. It's not that good. Yeah, I kind of agree. Yeah. I think we all kind of agree. The scallop creamed corn, so good. especially if there's a little crunch. Yeah, we all all the Newman Bros definitely agreed there. Overrated. I'm not even going to go side dish. I'm going straight for the jugular. Turkey. I don't really care for turkey. Mm, yeah, it's my least favorite meat. I I could do without it. You got to have some cranberry sauce on there. I think so. you would. You would. Yeah, well, Michael makes yeah, it a little well, better. You would. Pumpkin pie though is the uh, best. Yeah, Michael, Clearly, you could agrees. devour multiple pumpkin pies with your pumpkin spice lattes. I and I, your... I plan to. <laughs> All right, last question. Upset special. I'm going with Purdue as a seven-point underdog at home to Indiana. It would ruin the chances of hashtag nine Indiana. So that's not a great thing. But Aiden O'Connell is actually playing pretty well at quarterback for Purdue. And Indiana has struggled on the road at Michigan State, Maryland, and Nebraska. So I think Purdue has a chance. Well, they beat Nebraska. But <laughs> Nebraska's not very good. <laughs> it was close. Okay, that's a good answer. But <laughs> Ryan, I think I kind of know where you're going to go with this one. So I, I don't want to steal your thunder. So go ahead. Take this one first. I really okay. Uh, I'm gonna take the Red Raiders of Texas Tech. Uh, I could they're host they're getting. I forgot how much ten they're points, getting. Actually. Ten points. Okay, thanks. I knew they were at least <laughs> seven. Uh, yeah, they can think they can cover the. They can win at Texas. Texas is obviously they're sitting at six and five right now. Not looking great. Texas could get absolutely nothing going against Baylor. Although Baylor's got an amazing defense. Um, yeah, give me the Red Raiders here. Jet Duffy could have a big one. I like that. The they've been in a lot of close games, so there's no reason they couldn't beat Texas. I'm yep. gonna go with the Apple Cup. Wazoo getting seven. I know the Huskies have owned Leach, but they're down this year. They're vulnerable. It's really as good of a chance for Wazoo to win. Yeah, no, I wasn't thinking that Peterson owns Leach. All right. Thanks for listening to the College Football Bros podcast. If you like the show and want to support us or just get some bonus episodes. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash college football bros. There's already a trivia episode available on our feed. Sometime this week, we're going to record a Patreon mailbag episode. Um, So yeah, now's a good time to join. Other than that, we will talk to you next week. You've been listening to the college football bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, Like them on Facebook at College Football Bros. Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening. Cox can help make your home smarter and your life easier. Now you can use your Contour voice remote to connect to your home life cameras so you can view them right on your TV screen using simple voice commands. That makes it easy to keep tabs on what's happening around your home right from your couch. Need to keep an eye on the kids when they're playing outside? Just say, show me my backyard camera into your Cox voice remote and watch them while you're in the house. 
And if you're waiting for a delivery and want to make sure it's there on time, no problem. Just say, show me driveway camera to check on it with your Home Life HD cameras on the TV screen while you go about your day. When you live in a home powered by Cox Internet, you can stay connected to what matters and let Cox take care of the rest. To learn more about all the benefits of your connected home, visit cox.com slash thisishome today. And we're back with breaking news. The new Coke Zero Sugar might be the best Coke ever. That's right, Jim. With an improved taste and zero calories, make sure... Jim. Ooh, yes. This tastes like the best Coke ever to me. We're on the air. I need to try it first. Con cero azúcar y ahora mucho más rica. ¿Será que la nueva Coca-Cola Zero Sugar es la mejor de todas? Descúbrela. 